Hey guys, it's David here, back again with another podcast, and today I have Christopher Gordon. He has, uh, I'm going to try to pronounce this, see if I can pronounce this correctly, necrotizing phyllis... It's it's hard to pronounce, but I'm just going to keep it short and sweet. I'm just going to say it's called NF, and he's going to fill fill us in. So, uh, Chris, welcome. I look forward to hearing your story and sharing it with the audience, and I'll let you take over. Well, thanks, David. I really appreciate the opportunity. And as we're recording this, Happy New Year. I, I still am in the Christmas spirit with my Life Day sweater. So I, I really am uh, feeling it being on your show. So I greatly appreciate it. Yes, it is called necrotizing fasciitis. Fasciitis, okay. Which is a really fancy, yeah, really fancy way of saying flesh-eating bacteria. And then how did you, how did that happen exactly? What, what happened? Was it through, uh, I guess, through something you were doing, an activity, or it just happened one day all of a sudden? It was through the activity of helping my wife get my kids in the van so she could take them to school and daycare. Nothing crazy. I wasn't down in any kind of fog full of you know, hazardous bacteria. I was doing my everyday duties as a dad. I teach online for a public online middle school here in Minnesota. And so every day at that time, I would help my wife Becky by getting the kids into the van so they can go to their respective places. Well, I was flying my young son, son Seth back and forth to the, the task garage and I veered too far to the right. I scraped the back of my right hand on my garage wall. And I've had scrapes before. I'm a boy, or at least a former one. And so I've had, I, I didn't think anything of it. I put him in the van. I kissed him all goodbye. As soon as they left, I went to the house. I washed off my wound. And I started my day teaching online. Well, that was on a Wednesday. Three days later, on a Saturday morning, I woke up and I saw a large lacrosse ball-shaped bump on my right elbow. Now, I don't usually wake up like that, David, so I thought it was kind of weird. So I went to the urgent care room, or the urgent care in our local hospital here in New Orleans, Minnesota. And they said, well, it might be bursitis. Keep an eye on it and let us know if anything has changed. Well, within a span of 10 hours, something definitely changed. My right arm blew up, for lack of a better term. It blew to triple the size of my left arm. In comic book parlance, I was the Incredible Hulk in mid-transformation. And if I, if I might ask, um, what, how did you, um, I guess, at the moment, what were your thoughts that were running around, running in your head as, as it, as it, um, I guess, as it kept going, as it kept growing, what were your thoughts in your head? Were you thinking, oh, this is something that's probably like really serious. This is something that could be cured quickly, or something that could be life-changing or life-altering 
you know, considering the situation that you're in? You know, I never had any sort of major health scare before. Major health scare. And so I was at first in a wait and see kind of mode. But as the day progressed, my wife and I could tell that this is something a little more serious. So uh, we were able to get the kids down for bed. And then uh, she took me to, and then we found a babysitter for them because there were six and the twins were, the, my younger, my older son was six and the twins were two year old at the time, two years old at the time. So my wife uh, took me to the emergency room. They admitted me immediately. And then they found out, well, not only do you have a giant right arm, you also have sepsis. And for those who don't know, sepsis is an exaggeration of the body to fight off infections. However, sepsis is fatal, or can be fatal. I gotta wanna say it is fatal, otherwise I wouldn't be talking to you. But it can be fatal. And so that was something else we had to watch out for. They couldn't get a, an accurate blood pressure reading on me, so they kept close watch on me overnight. And then in the morning, on Sunday morning, that attending doctor came in at 6.30 and said, Mr. Gordon, this is beyond us. We can't help you here. Where do you want to go? Well, I live in Minnesota. There's one place that popped in my head, and that's the Mayo Clinic. And Mayo actually popped in my head for two reasons. First of all, it's Mayo Clinic. And secondly, uh, my wife's parents live in Rochester, Minnesota, and they still do. And uh, even uh, my father-in-law, was at the time a chaplain there. So I knew he had connections and uh, and they lived about 10 minutes away from the hospital. So I knew that if uh, Becky and the kids had to stay there, they could stay there easily for the, what, two or three days this would take to resolve? No, and, and especially in that situation, if you're getting tended quickly, you have to you have to get that treatment as soon as possible. You know, you can't delay it. And sometimes, yeah, so once uh, I gave them the go-ahead to send me the mayo, they flew me in a, in a Cessna-type plane to Rochester. And then they, uh, once I was in the hospital at Mayo, at St. Mary's Hospital, they quickly diagnosed me with necrotizing fasciitis. And they immediately started uh, you know, giving me medications and getting me ready for surgery. So they had to literally go in to, to, I guess, did they have to, like, I guess, make the ball, like, smaller on your arm? Like, make the size of your arm smaller through surgery by going in there? No, no, the, the, the ball on my arm had ballooned. It had enveloped my arm at the time. So by the time they were about to start surgery, it had, it had grown from the back of my right hand all the way up my arm and enveloped my shoulder, my chest, and my back. I could, I could already see that. That's, that's, uh, that sounds awful. I mean, that sounds, that sounds like painful. It's not walking apart. A lot of, a lot of swelling. I could see. Yes, and I was also very lethargic and nauseous. Not my usual jovial self. Uh, and also, I usually don't spend time in the hospital. So this is. A new era for me to uh, to be this sick. 
Uh, so they, uh, they got me ready for surgery. And have you ever seen the movie True Lies, David? I've never seen it. Okay. Well, just to uh, give you a, a quick synopsis so this analogy makes sense. There is a part in the movie where uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's a spy. And this is not a, this is not a spoiler. This movie is 27 years old. He's a spy, and he's captured, and he's given a truth serum, which has made him kind of groggy, and, you know, he's kind of, his head's lolling around, kind of like uh, Louise in Ant-Man and the Boss, if you've seen that movie. Well, uh, Arnold proceeds to tell his captors how he's going to free himself and kill them. Well, as I was talking to the surgeon before my first surgery, I was like Arnold, except for the murder. I did not kill my surgeon, but I was very confident in what was going to happen. I was very gung-ho. <laughs> I was like, let's do this. All right, let's go. He's usually not expecting that from his patients. He's expecting people to be worried, maybe some crying, and a lot of anxiety. I was the complete opposite. I was, I was ready to go, and so they soon put me under, and I was under for about five days. And then how long did it take you to fully recover from it, from the uh, injury? Well, that's a, that's a good question. Um, first, I had to wake up and realize that I was not at the bottom of a giant water slide, because I thought I was. That's the beauty of... Uh, really strong painkillers. Some of them are also hallucinogenic. And I, I, I was hallucinating that I was at the bottom of a giant water slide. Uh, but once I got my head clear a little bit, uh, my wife and the doctor started telling me what was going on. Basically, they had filleted me. They had taken the skin off of my back, my right hand, my arm, my shoulder, my chest, and my back. Uh, here, I can actually show you here. I see, I look like a discount dead Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah, with the skin grafts. And then, uh, they even had to take a, a 15 inch by 4 inch flap of skin from my left thigh and place it at my right arm and hand. And since it's my thigh on my hand, I call it my fan. I like that. Fan, that's a good term. Yes. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I appear in all the medical journals. Uh, so, once, you know, once I had an idea what was going on, I, it, I was in, you know, I was in the hospital for a little over two months. And I spent three months, or three weeks after my discharge from the hospital in home therapy. And then after I was released from home therapy, I still participated in physical therapy until the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. So from March to uh, late November, I was receiving some sort of treatment for the necrotizing fasciitis and the skin grafts and the various surgeries. And then how, how, how rare is it for someone to get an F? Do you have any idea? Um, the latest uh, numbers I found was uh, there are 650 cases worldwide annually. So it's very rare. And 
I know that there have been reports of people catching it, like um, Alex Smith from the Washington football team, the, the quarterback. He uh, he contracted it recently, and uh, another other uh, a number of other cases, but really is rare. I, I had no idea, honestly, that Alex Smith uh, actually was diagnosed with it. I thought he had a, just a broken leg. No, it was, it was actually NF. That, that's incredible. Yes, and so it's yeah, it's it's nothing that you can. I mean, you should really worry. About, I mean, it's not like you're gonna go scrape your hand. You're gonna get NF. And, and the fact was, is because there was group A strep in the area when I scraped my hand, and that's what ha- had happened. So it's not like everyone who gets strep is gonna get NF. But you know, it's it happens enough where people know about it. And then how, how do when you do your I know I know you're you're a motivational speaker yourself. Um, how do how do your your uh, how does your audience react and how do how do your students in the classroom that you teach react to you having NF? Do they ask questions about it? Do you feel uh, comfortable answering those questions? How do you feel about it? You know, I re- it really doesn't come up unless I bring it up. Uh, because I teach special education, I, and I usually work with students with autism, so we're usually working on their, uh, you know, their goals and their objectives. And I might use it as an example, but I don't, I don't bring it up, you know, unless it's for a certain purpose. And since I work online, my students don't see me in person day to day. You know, and I might wear a short a short sleeve shirt when I'm on camera, but the skin grafts actually, I mean, you can just glance at them. You, you know, you'd have to, my man, my arm would have to stay still for a while for you to realize, whoa, that's different. So it's not like it comes up in the conversation, but that, that does uh, help me segue, David, into talking about the mindset I developed of when I was in the hospital. Um, you know, after a couple days of uh, lucidity, when I came out of my coma, my wife started telling me about all the things that people were doing for me and my family while I was in the hospital. Uh, we had our neighbors, you know, watch out for watch our house. We had various friends and colleagues from our respective uh, schools because my wife is a teacher as well. Uh, you know, helping us in various ways. Uh, people would drop off toys and food to my in-laws' house while while my uh, while Becky and the kids were staying there. Uh, a friend from Becky's high school actually created a GoFundMe account that helped us with offsetting some medical costs because, or at least some lost wages, because after a while I had I had run out of sick days. And just hearing all of these wonderful things that people were doing for us helped me develop what I call the attitude of gratitude. And that has basically guided not only my recovery, but my purpose in being a professional speaker. It's because I feel that I had a choice to make. And I could either look at my situation 
realizing that I would never be exactly the same again and become morose, become angry, maybe develop some PTSD and take my life down a darker path. Or I could develop some gratitude towards the fact that everyone was stepping up to help us and become positive about my situation start working towards a better future for myself and eventually maybe motivate others to do the same. And that's what I chose to do. That's awesome. It seems like you had a a good head on your shoulders. You were positive the entire time. You, you tried not to let it get to you. You know, you kept, you kept positive. You were, you were happy, you you know, and it, it, it shows a lot. Like I always tell people, you know, your attitude radiates on so many others. If you're negative all the time, neg- that negativity can radiate from person to person. Versus when you're positive all the time, it can, same thing, it radiates, you know? And, uh, you know, yes. and I, I, hate to, I hate to use that term radiation because it, it's always a negative, but it's, it's, a, it's a good way to kind of describe it in a way, you know, it, it radiates. Yeah. Well, I mean, the sun radiates on us all the time and, you know, we're able to live because of it. And so radiation is a great thing. And I think that's a great way of using that word, David, is because you're right. Our pot, our, our, our outlook on life and our attitude does radiate outward. And if I were to get on social media and say, oh, you know, this is awful. I look like a discount Deadpool. I, you know, I, you know, my volleyball block is not what it used to be, which doesn't really matter because I'm 5'8", you know, and my, you know, I can't really play volleyball uh, in the first place, yeah. so big deal. But, you know, you get what I'm saying, that if I were to get on, you know, project a negative attitude to people, that's going to respond, they're going to respond to me in a, you know, at first they might be, oh, it's okay, but they're going to get sick of me after a while. And, you know, they, they still might get sick of me if I'm positive, but at the very least, it's, you know, it's more on them to reject my positivity than it is on me because of my negativity. And then I know you're, you, I've seen places of you where you, where you run. How did you, I know, were you a runner before and after? Did you start running after and how did you cope with having to try to run again after the, the situation? You know, it's funny, David, that's a good question, by the way. I ran a pie day race the week before I was hospitalized. Now, a pie day race is it where all, all us math geeks, and I use that term, us math geeks, because I'm not really good at math, but I just love this term. Pie is 3.14. A 5K is 3.1 miles so a five pie day race is 3.14 miles i ran that in 19 minutes 29 seconds the week before i was hospitalized and that's a low six minute mile average so i was running well before i was hospitalized but because of the attitude of gratitude i started thinking more positively of my outlook and what I was going to do after I was discharged from the hospital. 
So in the hospital, I ordered myself new running shoes because I want to give myself a reason to get out on the road again. And the last day of my home therapy, as soon as I signed the paperwork and the nurse left, I put on those new shoes and I went for a run. And it was the worst mile of my life because <laughs> while my mind was ready to go, my body had not run in three months. And it let me know in no uncertain terms that that was stupid. Uh, I get so the feeling. Mile, I said a very bad word. I <laughs> put my hands on my hips. I took some really deep breaths. And I walked the rest of the way home. But I needed that first mile to get the ball rolling. And after that first mile, I would start doing uh, you know, more workouts, but I would be smarter about it. And I would break up and you break up the run into a run-walk method. Now, at that time, my running was more, more like glorified walking, but it was still a pick up of the pace. And so I would run a block, walk a block, run a block, walk a block. And after a while, I started running two blocks and walking one, and then three, and then four. And pretty soon, I was running nonstop. And that, that, that ability to build on the foundation I had laid for myself actually helped me run a few 5Ks within a few months of being discharged and I actually placed second in my age division in a 10K in October while I was still in physical therapy. Um, and as far as NF, since um, I know since you're running, would you ever like, I guess, if they have some sort of a way where you can run for a cause where you run a certain amount of miles and then you can you can maybe help out by like, I guess not sort of asking people, but I mean, just maybe seeing if people would help out with your cause and maybe donate towards a, uh, a nonprofit that hosts battle people with that NF or. Yeah, if... there, are, yeah, there are many different ways to do that. Um, there, there's actually a, uh, a necrotizing fasciitis foundation 5k that is run every year and of course because of the pandemic they had to do it virtual so i did enter that and the proceeds go toward the foundation you know to help people with awareness and help you know help people out in certain situations i still have not run the actual race for that though because i'm i want to get to a point where i could run really well i've been dealing with some hamstring issues that have plagued me for a number of years, even before I was in the hospital. And I want to put in a good time uh, because one of my long-term goals is to qualify for the Boston Marathon. And so because there are no races right now, I decided, well, I'm going to use this time to start laying the groundwork, you know, to, you know, keep up the base mileage while rehabbing my legs. And I'm also training for a black belt test in Taekwondo. I'm a recommended black belt. And I have that to awesome. work on a few kicks. Thank you. To uh, make sure I can pass my black belt test. So I'm using this time to train for those. 
but as soon as I get to the point where I know I can throw down a good 5K, I'm going to get that material I ordered from the uh, NF Foundation 5K and uh, use that. But yes, there are many ways you can uh, use running to support different uh, causes, and I know many people do. And then you are also a co-author of your own book. Can you share that yes. with, with us? Yes, definitely. Thank you for asking. Yes, the book is called Blue Talks Presents Business, Life, and the Universe, Volume 3. Uh, a friend of mine named uh, Corey Poirier, he's, uh, he's from Canada, he has started this group called Blue Talks, and he's, he's a professional speaker. And he has gathered a number of people with inspirational stories into a couple different volumes of books. And I, this is the third volume, and it's in pre-order as we're talking. But as soon as they get enough orders in, they will start shipping them out. And if you're interested, you can check out the books at BlueBLU talksbook.com and it was really interesting because I always not always thought I had been approached early in my recovery about writing a book and at first I toyed with the idea but didn't really think seriously about it but then when I started pursuing speaking I thought well you know this might be something that could help me out in a couple different ways but I wasn't at the where I was ready to write a full-blown book yet. But uh, Corey had approached me about this opportunity, and I thought it was a really good one because, A, it would get me into a book, and, two, I would have to really put in much more effort at the beginning. And, you know, I could tell my story. I could help, you know, uh, advertise for the book. I can help plug it in my various podcasts and uh, appearances like I'm doing now, but it would get my feet wet a little bit in the world of authoring. That's awesome. That's actually one of the things that I'm actually looking uh, forward to doing because I've had people for so many years tell me, hey, you should you should write a book. You have all these experiences. You, you've overcome a lot in your life and you've beaten so many obstacles. But for me now, it's just uh, it's just uh, focusing on on this, you know, public speaking. I I, I want to give people uh, a platform where they can share their own stories, and so that people can see, hey, there's various people, various individuals, with various physical, mental, uh, any kind of disability, or you know, uh, or any kind of impairment, such as your, yours, you know, with NF that it's not the end-all be-all that you can overcome that obstacle, you know? You can beat the odds. Yes, indeed. And, you know, while I'm not writing a book right now, I am working on an online course based on the Attitude of Gratitude, which is called the Attitude of Gratitude. And it, uh, it, it's a three-step or three-week course that takes people through you know, the, the T, the A, and the G in, in the Attitude of Gratitude, or TAG for short. 
uh, you know, first, the first week we talk about thinking about the, all the good things in your life and we practice doing that. And then we work in the A, which is acknowledging the appreciated. And then the third week we throw in the G, which is giving someone else a reason to be grateful. Because, and I feel that this is something that not only the average person can do to increase their level of gratitude, but I'm looking towards working this into schools. You know, because I've, I want to speak to schools, but this is an added feature I can offer schools, you know, to, sh you know, use my message to help benefit others than myself. And not only would this benefit kids for, like, say, a couple of days after they hear my talk, but they can practice this for, the, you know, for the three weeks, you know, for more than, a, you know, almost a month. And then hopefully by that, by the end of that three weeks, it will you know, practice they keep doing after they stop watching my videos. So in regards to everything we've kind of covered, what is, what is a uh, one message that you, you'd like to leave the audience with? Like what is something that you want to uh, emphasize for them to know? Like anything positive you like to share any, any words? Well, two things. Uh, first of all, uh, you know, I want to share with people, you know, always take count of good things in your life, not only the big things, but the small things, because it's really the small things in our lives that bring us that daily joy. You know, I am thankful for my faith, my family, my house, my job, but also I like my Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, phone case. Yeah, that's all awesome. My, you know, my flash water bottle. I like the way that my chair, I sit in my chair, yeah, you know, how it feels. I like the way my shoes feel on my feet. I like this multi-purpose clip. It's a chip clip, or I can hold up a microphone, or it could, you know, hold, hold uh, some wires up. I like having this in my life. And the more you're able to appreciate the things that you have in your life, the richer you're going to be. You know, I am by no means rich. I don't have a Scrooge McDuck money bin in my backyard. But when I think about all the things I have in my life, I consider myself rich because I'm so, I am so thankful for the things I do have. And so I want people to do that is, you know, at the very least, be thankful for everything that you do have because no life is perfect. And you can either count all the bad things, all the things that are gone wrong, all the, all the things you don't have, or you can count all the things you do have and realize you have more than you thought. And you have and to... Speak, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Ahead. And you have to realize some of the things that you do have can be, can't be replaced. You know, like family members and people close to you, you know, so... Yes. Definitely, you have, like you said, you definitely have to share, share some... Yes, exactly. And, and speaking of uh, things that aren't perfect, that goes to my second point, which is pass on perfection and go for greatness. We are inundated daily by pictures of perfection, you know, whether it be on TV or on the Internet or in movies of things that are picture perfect that we should aspire for that perfection. But even if we do attain that perfection, it is fleeting. It does not last. And people have analysis paralysis because of it. They think, oh, I can't make this perfect. I might as well not try. 
but you can't do that. You can't live your life always seeking perfection in everything. You just have to go out and do it. And that's something that I'm working on right now with myself by not worrying that I'm the perfect speaker, not worrying that my, you know, my course does not look as good as say Brendan Burchard's course. You know, I just need to do it. I just need to do my best and get it out there. And by doing my best and being consistent in my practice, I may once in a while reach perfection, but I will always be great. I, I, I love that. I, I love uh, I love the 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 mindset you you have with uh, with everything going on. Um, I love I love your st- your story in general is really really awesome. The fact that you've been able to overcome come this and you're still pushing forward, which is very important, especially uh, in today's day and age and what we're dealing with now with uh, COVID and being at home. It's just a matter of having a very strong mindset, being you know, being uh, thankful for what you have, and I look forward to seeing. Um, you be very successful in, in the course you're creating. And I hope to eventually get myself a copy of that book. And if if it possible, I'd like to get your autograph too once I once I get a copy. You know, so that way I can great. have it. And I definitely appreciate you being on today and uh, sharing your story. Well David, the pleasure is all mine. I, I really appreciate you reaching out to me and uh, allowing me to be on your show. I really enjoyed having you on my podcast a couple weeks ago. And uh, I would love to uh, sign a book for you. That'd be great. And make that happen. Awesome. I, I look forward to it. And then um, where, can, where, can they, where can your audience find you? Like any information about you? Or where can they book you? I know, I know you might be interested in speaking with other schools and organizations. Yes, thank you for asking. I have a Linktree account. That, ho- that houses my speaker hub and my professional website as well, as well as my podcast, my YouTube channel, my Facebook, my Instagram, LinkedIn, and a couple other things. That's at linktr.ee forward slash Chris D.T. Gordon. Again, that's linktr.ee ee forward slash chris dt gordon g-o-r-d-o-n and there you can find all the links that i have there it's a really nice place to house all my different uh me you know social media outlets and then yeah you definitely uh, reach out to me using the speaker hub or the professional website and you can see what else i'm up to and then I will I will also make sure to post post this in the next uh, when I upload the the video and then the podcast as well, so you guys have access to it easily. Um, with all, all that being said, uh, Chris, I really appreciate you being on the show. Uh, I definitely appreciate everybody that does listen to the to the podcast consistently, and um, always remember, if I can do it, so can you.